You're listening to The Dollop. This is a bi-weekly podcast. Listen, someone sent a tweet saying that bi-weekly was not right. Then we recorded three episodes, and the whole thing was like, well, bi-weekly's off the table. <laughs> it turns amazing. out that person was fucking wrong and needs to pick up a dictionary. <laughs> bi-weekly in Webster's and other dictionaries all over the world agrees bi-weekly is twice a week, or it can mean every other week. So suck it. That's the reality. I'm not going to say semi-weekly. <laughs> Thanks for all your ideas. It's bi-weekly. I was right. Back off. Anyway, this is a bi-weekly podcast. Gareth Reynolds, who has no idea what the topic is about. I didn't even say the part where I read you a story. I'm ready whenever. God, you want to hit a dude? I'll do one bump. <laughs> people say this is funny? Not Gary, Gareth. Dave, okay. Someone or something is tickling people. Is it for fun? And this is not going to become the tickling podcast. Okay. You are Queen Fakie of Made Up Town. All hail Queen Shit of Liesville. A bunch of religious virgins go to mingle. And do what? Pray. Hi, Gary. No. Nicely done, my friend. No. No. <laughs> Nobody. May 11th, oh. 1861. Oh, boy. You all right? Yeah. yeah, that's just, that was, you got me on that one. Frederick Russell Barnum was born in Minnesota. Okay. A year later, from their log cabin, his parents watched as the sky turned red as a, a nearby town was set on fire. So we're jumping right in. The Lakota Wars had begun. Okay. You love the Lakota Wars. Yeah. It's one of your favorites. I've always said the Lakotas are one of my favorite wars. Yeah. Um, the town was burned down. Hundreds of people are killed in the Lakota Wars. Okay. Uh, it's not It's not a fun war. Uh, on behalf of the dollop, we're sorry to that. Sorry, the Dakota War. Did I call it Lakota War? Yeah. Anyway, the Lakota. Yeah. Well, attacked. the Lakota. The Lakota are from Dakota. Yeah, but th- that actually, the Lakota tax started the Dakota War. It's going to be a lot of poetry. <laughs> Uh, his dad was a Presbyterian minister. Okay. So a year later, his dad was away. A year after the town was on fire. Yeah. So look, if things, if, if there's going to be a town burned to the ground, go ahead and leave your kids and your wife in a remote cabin. Absolutely. Uh, how the saying goes. <clears throat> uh, his mother, Rebecca was, uh, happened to be standing at the door and, uh, she's brushing her hair. So she's standing at the door brushing her hair. So mentally, she's in a good spot. <laughs> and then she saw Lakota warriors coming out of the forest, you know, getting in position. They're going to do some business. <laughs> it's time to put the brush down. <laughs> so she, really quickly, she uh, she knew that she wasn't going to survive if she tried to run with a uh, little two-year-old Frederick, you know? Uh-huh. Because two-year-olds, yeah, it's hard to carry. I'll be honest. They're you leave loud. him behind. Get out. Yeah, you Think leave about him yourself. You can have another one. Which she did. She grabbed him and she slipped him into a pile of uh, freshly shucked corn. Okay, cool. Right in the middle. Of it. And she said, don't fucking move. Did he Fred. know that command? At well, two? she said, don't move. Be quiet. Don't make a sound. <clears throat> I would imagine at this age, uh, at two-year-old, the, the, the Indians are coming is the same thing as, don't touch that plug. Yeah, but still, I mean, it might just be that we're dealing with like, Better behave two-year-olds. Yeah, yeah, it's possible. Uh, so then she ran for it, and uh, she made it to a neighbor's house about six miles away, close to the neighbor, I guess. 
What a na- is that's not look. It's that's a, not a neighbor. Thing. It's a, neighbors used to be six miles. Well, my neighbor. I'm gonna go get some milk. That's another town. Uh, she spent the night there. Came back in the morning. Cabin is completely burned down. Oh boy, nothing left. Just a heap of nothing. But there was Fred- Frederick sitting right in the green corn, what? right where she had left him, because the fire the fire oh, didn't cause... burn the corn because it was green, right? And he just stayed quiet. And the the Indians were like, "We got enough maize. We don't need any more yeah, maize. Corn, so get it go. out of. We don't need that." Then he go near the corn. <clears throat> Seven years later, Frederick's dad uh, was injured, uh, and he punctured a lung, and so the family moved to Los Angeles. <laughs> that's yeah, that's you've heard it a million times. <laughs> But that because the the weather was the weather is better here for punctured lungs in case anybody ever. Oh no, out. this is a great heat for a punctured lung. Mm-hmm. If you have a hole in your lung, get out here for the summers That's because right. oh mm, god, there's a whole punctured lung hotel. Oh, it's great. It's the <gasps> it's the punctured hotel. <laughs> Still, uh, he didn't last long, and he died a couple years after they got here. Yeah, let's see. Uh, <clears throat> Fred's mom uh, went back east. Okay. She was like, I can't do this anymore. Fred stayed in Los Angeles. She just put him in corn again. She's like, stay in the corn. Mama's going east. He delivered telegrams from Western Union on horseback. Okay. Uh, so he would do that day and night. Like it was one of the situations where you would hop on a horse, you would ride until that horse was uh, toast, and then you'd get to the next station, you'd hop on another horse, and you'd go. It was that kind of day. you just keep going until you got the message to where it needed to be. Jesus. And you probably made like a, a buck oh, uh, I didn't a realize, year. I didn't realize it was like so lucrative. Um. So he was 13 years old. Jesus, 13. It's a different time. It's yeah. a time when you uh, you look at your 13-year-old and go, I'm moving back east. Do you want to come with me? No, nope, I'll says, stay uh, here and have a real job. <laughs> <laughs> so at 14, some uh, he had some religious members of his family who were a little bit worried about living alone out there in Los Angeles and that he was going to go to hell. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> My relatives have the same worry, Dave. Yeah, they should. David. So they summoned him. They said, come on out. To live with us in Iowa, we're going to put you on the right path. Uh, he gave it a shot, was not down with the boring life in a small town. So one night, he stole a canoe and headed down the mighty Mississippi. Well, he probably hated the corn, too. Yeah. He's probably yeah, like, nah, memories. corn memories. just makes me tired. I don't like corn. I have to sit still around it. Yeah, shit. All right, you guys go ahead. I'm going to be in this field not making a, a noise. Memories. Okay, so, so now he's left Iowa and he's just headed down the Mississippi. So he he, uh, he stops and he uh, goes on foot and he makes his way to Texas. <clears throat> Look, it's a kid. He's fourteen. He's, <laughs> he's didn't you 14. do this when you were fourteen? <laughs> fourteen. He makes his way to Texas. Uh, he runs into some old frontiersmen who he starts hanging out with. I mean, it's like this is what you did. <laughs> it's also like what grown men are like. Come here, fourteen-year-old. You're yeah, in the fold. A 14-year-old to a grown man is like another grown man back then. Uh, it's true, but that's like, Hey, bro, strange. what's up? How are you? You're not as young as you used to be. Uh, an old scout took a liking to Frederick and started teaching him how to be a scout. Be, like a scout as far as like scouting land as far as like um scouts s- would go out and like do stuff like uh make sure the the territory ahead was safe oh so they enemies. they kind of they would look they, for certain things right. where's the water where's the like all that shit right they, they kind of scout like, it out there's sort of like a gps back then. much like a gps sure this is their version of ways yeah yeah okay now i now i see what's happening uh, so that guy took, uh, Frederick out on a six month trip through the desert and taught him the craft of scouting. God, that sounds like a fucking nightmare. It's a good time. 
Uh, between the old man and other uh, frontiersmen, Fred became a great scout. Next, he taught himself to shoot. Okay. Got himself a pistol. Practiced over and over again until he was good enough to shoot a cork into the air and then shoot it while it was still in the air. Wow. That's pretty good. Shoot a cork into the so air and then put, reshoot that cork. He put the cork, cork. Like on, a, on a fence post. And he'd shoot it. He'd shoot it. And it would fly up. cork. He'd reshoot he'd it. He'd shoot it again. So he's basically doing his own like clay pigeons. He's basically a circus. Okay. Uh, the most difficult thing about being a scout was getting used to being alone. They always worked alone. The most difficult thing uh, was dealing with hunger. Right? They, well, they just wouldn't eat. They couldn't eat? Well... You're, you're cruising, like, sometimes when you're scouting, you're amongst the enemy, so you're just slithering on your belly, and you can't get up and go, I'm going to have a sandwich. I mean, I'm sure you can. Listen, I'm just saying, you put me in that time, I'll, I'm not going hungry. I'll have, like, pocket sandwiches, and I'll figure out a way to do it. Yeah, but your pocket sandwich goes bad after a while. Well, how you're long am I days. scouting? Days! Wait, you're just on the ground for days, days. looking ahead? He's a fucking scout! See, I'm thinking that scout sort of is like, all right, guys, I'm going to trot up ahead 100 yards and just make sure we're all good. <laughs> no, no. He's so out there for days. Days. So he's, okay. All right. Still... Um, I need a pocket. A bad pocket sandwich better than no sandwich. I've always said that. He started to see the stomach as the weakest part of the man. The stomach is the thing that would would let a man down. Hmm. It wasn't for the fucking stomach. So now... He could stay out there forever. So now... Now I'm a little worried. You should be. Okay. Now I'm a little... Because now we have a problem. And I don't like the time for solutions. When he actually started working as scout, protecting mining camps and guarding gold prospectors... Uh Uh-huh. Uh, he found eating normal food very difficult. Hmm. For instance, he couldn't cook over a fire because, you know, fire. You can't have a fire because then people see the fire. You can have a pocket fire. I'm just saying, I want you to buy my line of pocket survival gear. Uh, we have pocket fires on sale on the dollar. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> actually, the man uh, who bought the first pocket fire is actually fully on fire, and it his still pocket sandwiches are ruined. We haven't worked that out. That's so, a kink. That's a kink. In pocket sandwiches still available, as well as uh, pocket liquids. Uh, he did find him uh, ways to keep himself fed, like hammering deer jerky into a powder and making deer cake that he'd eat for a week. I mean, yes, nobody's. Did you want the chocolate or the vanilla or deer the, or the deer cake? Deer cake. He would pound it. Yeah, He'd I hear pound you. Pound the jerky. Yeah. Why not just eat the jerky? He'd pound the jerky. That's what I'm into saying. A powder, like a flour, like a flour. And then what? He just made make, a fine. And then he he substitute deer deer for flour. But but make he himself could, a cake. But he could, how do you make a cake without fire? No, he would make it before he left. But then why not have a regular fucking cake? What? Because cake's not going out there with chocolate he cake. He has other options for shit. Chocolate He's, cake, it doesn't keep you cake. alive. I'm not saying cake, but I'm sure there's another option besides deer cake. Yeah, I would say keep the deer jerky and not yeah, turn keep it into the, a cake. Well, listen, if you want to meet in the middle there, I'm fine with that. The man of one diet is hopelessly handicapped, he wrote. Man's stomach can be trained to adopt itself to many strange uses. Fred did spend time trying to strike it rich in the gold country. Uh, he didn't make much, but he made enough to send for the girl that he had met and loved in Iowa. I didn't know there was a girl he met and loved in Iowa. Yeah, I left that part out. I'm getting to it now. Well, I would have liked to have known about this girl in Iowa when well, it was happening. Apparently, there's a girl he met in Iowa that he loved. Well, I'm excited to hear where this goes. She came out and they got married. All right. He's like 15 or something. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's time. Uh, they moved to Pasadena. Oh, uh, know it well. 
And he tried to become an ordinary guy, this time uh, by farming oranges. Well, beat Again, steer cake. Super not down, down with it. Did not enjoy the normal life. He, he was dreaming about Africa. He liked to read about Africa when he was young. He said it called to him. Uh, there in what at this time was known as the Cape Colony, which later became South Africa, was a prime minister named Cecil Rhodes. And Fred was a big fan of Cecil Rhodes. And he figured Cecil probably needs a good scout. Hmm. Now, I'll, okay, so the thing about mm-hmm. what can happen nowadays mm-hmm. is you can find out what that guy thinks scout-wise before you make a trip. <clears throat> so I'm assuming that there's some version of, uh, you know, Atlantic Union that... Uh, he just took his wife and kid nope. to Cape Colony on January 1st, 1893. Okay, so he didn't... He did, he got a job. He worked as a scout and he fought for Rhodes Cape Colony. Okay. He fought in different countries, different African countries, not just uh, just any country. To Sweden! He... <laughs> He went to Sweden. He went from the Cape Colonies to Sweden, and then finally Czech, the Czech Republic. Then no, Czechoslovakia, sorry. Uh, he went to, uh, so he went there and he fought uh, in different African countries. He um, had a second child, a daughter, who died during a plague that swept through uh, the city they were in during a siege when he was out fighting. A lot of, dealing with your children dying was just a very matter-of-fact thing. Yeah. Then. Um, although he, when he learned about it, he was completely devastated. Uh, he, I mean, when he learned about it, how long did it take for him to learn about it? Well, he it? was out on the front fighting. He was fucking he's, killing what, He's people. just out there eating deer cakes while the well, fucking plague sweeping through the sh- goddamn town? Sometimes he wouldn't just scout. Sometimes he'd shoot and kill. He's not just fucking laying on his tummy. He gets yes. in the business. So the scout business sounds like a dog shit business. Yeah, it's not great. Uh, so then he received some critical information about the enemy. Their religious leader... And Commander was hiding in a cave. Fred was sent in to assassinate him. He oh, snuck shit. into the cave. Jesus, that's not fun. And he shot the leader through the heart while thinking of his daughter. Wow. Yeah. All right. Yep. All right. He then fled the cave before the commander's men could get him. And as he fled the area, he lit villages on fire as that's he went. A, that's a real, that's a nice, that's a nice way to leave. Yep. I mean, like, yeah. uh, vengeance is mine, I believe that's so, called. And I'm going to make a <laughs> big, big show when I go. So he bravehearted the area. He bravehearted the shit out of it. Okay, I like the, I like the visual. Of that. Um, then he heads back to America at the age of 60, no, sorry, 36. I seriously thought you were going to say 16. He tried to find gold again, this time in Alaska, but admitted to a friend he missed the action in Africa and hoped that if fighting started again... They would need him. Yeah, that he wouldn't miss out on it because it's so fun. Of course it did. Uh, Lucky him. The new British commander asked him to return. <clears throat> so this was the second Boer War. The Boer War? Boer. B-O-E-R. Boer War. Sp- said it a bunch of different ways. Yeah, Boer War. Boer War. Uh, yeah. The lead scout of the Boer was known as the Black Panther. Interesting. Doesn't he, sound boring. He was described as, quote, walking, living, breathing, searing, killing, destroying, torch of hate. I mean, was that his hype man? He was so, he, that's pretty... I mean, that is that's quite the resume right there. 
Now coming is the walking, living, breathing, searing, killing, destroying torture of hate, Black Panther. And in the red corner from Los Angeles and Iowa, Frederick. <laughs> Frederick the corn napper. <laughs> Go get him, corn napper. So he spent, so the entire war. Fred and the Black Panthers spent trying to kill each other because mm. they were both the lead scouts. They were both doing a lot of damage. Right. They were both trying to get each other. Okay. So it is kind of like how movies would frame a war in a way. Yeah, it is exactly right. like that. Uh, meanwhile, Fred was sent to constantly inf- infiltrate the enemy and sabotage as much as, as possible. One time, he hid inside of an aardvark hole for two days. <laughs> You mean an aardvark's asshole? Uh, no, no. <laughs> no the aardvark's not in it. It's not part of the aardvark. <laughs> he hid inside of an aardvark's asshole. He thinks he's like all the way in and it's just over his eyes. <laughs> they can't see me in this aardvark anus. All right. I'm going to eat a deer cake and then I'll scoot over there. It smells, what? It smells like ants. Yeah, I tell you what. This whole area smells like anus. Everywhere I turn, it smells like <laughs> shit. All right. We got to dig deep. Another time, he floated down a river disguised as a dead cow. <laughs> That's, how? How? It's just, how? okay. He, he just got in a he cut he open got, a fucking cow's he, stomach, got inside, and just mooed. He got a fleshy hide, and then he cut two eye holes out of it so he could see. And they just floated down the river. <laughs> Amazing! That's, this guy's fucking awesome. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, <clears throat> it was said his senses and abilities were similar to a wild predator's. He could go two and a half days without water. He could fix a broken. Uh, Pastor Mainstream with some buffalo bone. I don't even know what that is. Well, I mean, what it is? What was any of that? He could smell water from far away, and he never drank what? or smoked. He could smell, smell water? water. If you're that good, you can smell water. No, no, no! Shut up. Over here, there's water. That's a vanilla cream. Hmm. I'll tell you, it still smells Wait. a little bit. At Starbucks, yeah, <laughs> still smells a little bit like an Ivar's asshole around here, but. I think over here's water. Frappuccino. I got to take this aardvark head off me. I, you know what? I, now that I'm thinking about it, is it even a disguise? <laughs> or do I just look crazy? Uh, look, Fred's going to come over. Don't, um, don't look at the aardvark. Hey, guys. What's going on? How we doing? Pretty low key. You think they see us? You guys should get a better disguise. You look at like a couple of sore thumbs over here. What? Huh? The on. Um, never mind. Shh. <laughs> They can see you, but not me. Commanding officers said he was half jackrabbit, half wolf, and totally without fear. Now that now we got some hype man stuff. He was captured once, but managed to hide who he really was from the boar. All the boar <coughs> thought Fred was a godless monster, so he argued when he was caught that God was real and started reciting poetry. So they were like, well, this can't be the guy. Well, he's certainly fucking crazy. That guy's a monster. <laughs> yeah. That, there's no way he can be Fred. The amazing Fred. <laughs> Doesn't like poetry. Fred. During the night, he escaped. As he made his way back on a stolen horse, he was spotted by some boar, and the horse was shot. It fell on him. He felt like his back was broken. Still, he continued on his mission, even though he was on foot and vomiting blood. He rigged a... So he still had his mission to do. Yeah. So even though he was captured, and uh-huh. then his horse got shot, and uh-huh. fell on him, and broke his back, and he yeah. was coughing up blood. Yeah. Vomiting blood. Sure. He still keeps going with his mission. Sure. Well, as you should. <clears throat> he rigged. He went and rigged a tra- train railway with explosives and blew it up. Hmm. Interesting. Then he climbed into a eucalyptus tree and hid as the boar fired up into the grove. 
They eventually gave up and moved on. I mean, that has corn nap written all over it. This is a man koala. Yeah, but they, yeah, this is a, this look. This is a koala man. Yeah, but he also, I mean, he's very comfortable in vegetables being quiet. <laughs> You put him in anything green, yeah, and you can't see him. Yeah, I was under the snap peas the whole time. <laughs> Jesus, what's that on your head for, huh? Just extra disguise. <laughs> he was rescued by British soldiers and sent back to England to mend. There, he was given the Distinguished Service Order and was asked to dine with the Queen. Mm. So he's the fucking shit. Time to know which one's the salad fork. <clears throat> Fred, being the most humble man alive, said that the medal was so unnecessary that it was almost humiliating. Wow. Oh, man. Uh, hey, uh, you need to learn how to say thank you, Fred. Yeah, it's Kanye's opposite. It is. Sadly, this was uh, to be a terrible trip. Uh, Fred's third child drowned in the, da- in the Thames. Uh, what? How? Yeah, I, I don't know. Why are you letting your kids swim the in the Thames? What the fuck are you doing? I mean... Uh, it's tough. That's yeah. a that's a tough thing to that's you're gonna have to label that bad parenting in some way. Yeah, it's not good. Drowning in the Thames. <clears throat> Thames, I called it Thames, didn't I? Thames, Thames, whatever, bro. Again, hey, hey, de- this is a safe place. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Again, devastated, they returned to California and their home. It was while he was in Pasadena that he seriously started thinking about an idea that had struck him in Africa. Oh boy. He decided to write an article. There is in Africa a wonderfully varied range of interesting animals. Most of the desirable ones could easily be introduced to our own Southwest. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Okay. Time to get a lion in New Mexico? (laughs) The article was called Transplanting African Animals. It was published in New York's Independent Magazine in 1910. Fred was now 49 years old. And very well known for his achievements. I'm he was, excited to see the response to this thought. He was also known for telling stories of his time in Africa, and those listening would find themselves unable to turn away. Okay. One woman told of sitting with a group, as Fred told them, of a particular African siege. At one point, he paused and casually said, We'll kill that snake when I finish the story. No one had seen the rattlesnake that had come up behind them as he told them. <laughs> told his story what he's that good i mean he's that good it's like jason Bourne. yeah telling he's, stories he's the first born the first corn um, born so just the corn co- identity the- <laughs> there it is <laughs> just a couple of months after the article was published fred found himself in front of the house committee on agriculture in congress there was a meat shor- <clears throat> there oh, was a God. meat shortage at the time. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Ranges had been destroyed by overgrazing, and the price of beef was soaring. Okay. As the population of the U.S. increased, the number of cows was dropping by millions of head a year. Oh boy! People had begun to whisper about having to eat dogs. Oh boy! I mean, newspapers were calling it the meat question. Oh dear. I don't like the meat answer already. (laughs) America had been kicking ass for so long, but the meat question was making people think that maybe the country wasn't as strong as they thought it was. Amazing. We've always been, we've always thought from our fucking stomachs. Yeah. Maybe we're not a great nation. 
Hey, I got an idea. Why don't we open up a sizzler? <laughs> so nobody, we're not leaving, are we? It's all you can eat shrimp. I, I don't know about the beef, but it's definitely all you can eat shrimp. Yeah, come eat this shit. Sizzler. Maybe the U.S. couldn't keep growing. Did you see that Sizzler video that went around the yeah. commercial? Oh, I showed you that, right? It's fucking amazing. <laughs> People should go watch the like Sizzler video from like 1990. We'll post it. It's amazing. It's like Sizzler's trying to like rebrand itself as really important culturally. Yeah. It's dynamite. It's tremendous. All right, anyway. Uh, so people are thinking maybe the U.S. can't keep growing and prospering, and yeah, because there's not enough meat for us to all. fucking eat, so we're pussies now. It ends with meat. Yeah. People yelled in the, the Carl's Jr. era. At the beginning of the committee hearing, the first day of testimony, a federal researcher said, "In studying the resources of our country for a good many years, I was led to the conclusion that we ought to have more creatures than we are raising here." Oh boy. The bill being discussed was H.R. 23261. It was a bill to appropriate $250,000. I'm excited to hear for what? To import new animals to be farmed. What? I mean, but what are they going... Like, what, gazelles? It was known as the hippo bill. Oh, my God, no! <laughs> no! What? Oh, God. The bill had been introduced by Congressman Robert Broussard of Louisiana. <clears throat> Broussard was a charismatic and loud Democrat. I reckon uh, we ought to get a bit of hippo. <laughs> what, I, what I am saying here, gentlemen, because there ain't no ladies in here, gentlemen, is that there is a big round animal that just fucking floats. Imagine a big fat aquatic cow. Yeah. That's what we're dealing with. That is what we're dealing with. So they're going to fucking... <laughs> we're going to get us some water cows. Hippos. Broussard was a charismatic and loud Democrat who Hippos was... Hippos cannot be easy to catch back in this time either. You don't know They're that. violent and you fast. You don't know that. <laughs> I do know they that. They are violent and fast. Uh, Broussard was known as Cousin Bob down in Louisiana. Isn't everyone? <laughs> hey, Cousin Bob. Cousin Bob! Hey, Cousin Bob, how you Good doing? Good to see you, Cousin Bob, hey, Mrs. Cousin, cousin Bob. Bob. Hey, Cousin Bob! Hey, look, it's little Cousin Bobby. I'm over here with Cousin Bob. Where's your dad, Cousin Bob? Broussard, Let's go down uh, to Cousin Bob's and get a couple Cousin Bob's. <laughs> Bassard had wanted to import hippos to the U.S. to be used for meat for a while now, and someone recommended he speak to Fred. This wasn't Fred's first time trying to convince Washington that they should get on the African animal meat train. No. After it's it's son, a catchy name, the African is. meat train. African animal meat train. Yeah. Um, after his son died in England, uh, drowned, he had gone to Washington to lobby for bringing in African animals. He wanted to bring in 30 varieties of antelope, as well as other animals like giraffes, to be imported and farmed in the American Southwest. He thought the animals could be protected by the government, then set loose. <laughs> Hunters would hunt the great beasts and increase the nation's meat supply. Fred had even gotten his friends to pitch in $50,000 to start the program. Unbelievable. He met with Teddy Roosevelt. Teddy Roosevelt was down. Yeah, of course Roosevelt was. Bully! <clears throat> Let's get him out in here! All the goddamn animals in the fucking world! <laughs> it would save me a trip! But then uh, a political enemy of Roosevelt used the giraffe and antelope idea as part of an attack on the president, and it worked. And Teddy abandoned the plan. But now it was four years later, and Congressman Broussard was leading the charge. And he was a political genius. Okay. I mean, but he was not pushing the hippo because of the meat situation. He was doing it because of a flower. 
I, I mean, what is happening? <laughs> what? He did it because of mean? a flower. What do you mean he did it because of a flower? He did it because of a flower. What did he, he do? He wanted to bring... Okay, what? Like, what are you saying? He, <clears throat> The water hyacinth... Uh-huh. ...were brought to New Orleans in 1884 by a Japanese delegation. Hello, uh, we like your country. Here's a pretty flower. But it was like a bomb! It was like a flower bomb! Well, we'll get them back. The people of New Orleans loved the flower and planted them everywhere. And then the flower began to proliferate rapidly. It reproduces asexually. The flowers began to spread in waterways, clotting and drifting around the Mississippi like a big mass. By the time the hippo bill was introduced by Broussard, the flowers had been screwing things up in Louisiana for 10 years. There's only one way to deal with something that has been brought in unnaturally to your environment. Uh-huh. And that's to bring in something unnaturally to your environment. Yeah, you, you double unnaturally. Yeah, it's a du- it's the double down. It's you, splitting aces. Let's get some hippos in here. Yeah. Ain't nothing can go wrong with hippos, right? Well, look, we obviously fucked up by planting those flowers. Let's bring in a bunch of hippos. Hippos and giraffes. Let's get them going. <laughs> All right. Giraffes. Imagine giraffes roaming Arizona. <clears throat> Where are we? Shipping lanes were no longer passable. Okay. The flowers were overtaking rivers and wetlands and using all of the oxygen and killing the fish. Okay, good. So the fish are, <laughs> the fish are dying because this one guy planted a flower. Uh, fishermen were going bankrupt. The War Department was fighting the flowers, but it was an impossible battle. Okay. Time to eat flowers. They would clear a stream, and a month later, the flower would return. Well, that's tough. A veteran researcher at the Bureau of Plant Industry of the U.S. Department of Agriculture named Irwin, testified that the hippos were a double win. <laughs> I love I love testifying. I mean, like, he's... <laughs> I justify that this is a great idea. Sir, the hippos are awesome in two ways. <laughs> uh, so the hippos could eat the flowers. And then we could eat the hippos. And then we could eat the hippos. Boom, boom, boom. It's like a food chain. It's just boom, three, boom, boom. Two, three things. It's too crazy to not work. Irwin claimed no one ate hippos because no one has ever told them that eating hippos was a proper thing to do. Well, the same is for dogs. Yeah. Okay. Great. Good point. He saw the meat question as uh, a test of America's resolve to defend our freedom and our way of life. Some generations of Americans are called to go to war. This generation is being called to import hippos and eat them. (laughs) That's a quote? No, I... (laughs) Oh, God. I just... Hypothesize what he would. That would be amazing. <laughs> You've heard of the greatest generation? We are the waitest generation. Let's get these goddamn hippos here. They'll eat the flowers, we'll eat the hippos. So then next, Fred testified. He said it was bu- bizarre that we only eat cows, pigs, and sheep and poultry. Why did we stop importing animals there? With time, we could make hippo barbecue just as normal. Oh, that just sounds, it sounds like the Flintstones. <laughs> Fred was very persuasive. But when he was done, Broussard had one more witness to call. A hippo. It was the Black Panther. Whoa, what? What's he doing? What? I feel like that's like Crocodile Dundee-esque importation. Uh, he had a real name, Captain Fritz Dukins. Yeah, but what was his real name? I'm kidding. I'm not a Black Panther. I'm Fritz Duquince. 
Fritz Dukins uh, had been born in Cape Colony in December 1877. He grew up on a farm with other Boer families. His father was a hunter, so he was always away from home. As a kid, he'd repeatedly seen hunters return with hippos because they were the easiest animals to kill. Okay. They would divide the meat among the families, and then Fritz would collect the fat and sell it to soap manufacturers. Sure. Just like any kid does. Sure, sure, just yeah. Classic just kid go make stuff. some fucking hippo soap. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, he, weekend. He was sent to military school in Europe as a teen. Fritz was good-looking, a ladies' man, and had incredible confidence in himself. He was there when his father told him to come back and fight against the British. We're talking about the Second Boer War, when he went against Fred. Ah, uh, the Boer War War. Many Boers were put into concentration camps by the British, and soldiers like Fritz formed into small guerrilla units. He was captured twice, and both times he escaped. The second time he was captured, he was sent to Lisbon, Spain. Okay. He quickly escaped and took off, but not until after he had screwed the jailer's daughter. Nice. Right? That's, yeah. Who's dropping, not? Dropping some panther dick. Who's not rooting for the panther at this point? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, the idea that, like, you could get one over on the warden by escaping, but then you're like, and also? Come on, panther, we're making a run for it. Hold on, I got one last thing to do. You guys go without me. I'll be there in a second. I gotta go bang the warden's daughter. <laughs> Panther? Panther what? Yeah. Yeah. You that, heard me? Yeah. Why show. do you think they call me the Panther? Uh, that has nothing to do with being a Panther! Listen, in this time that we've been debating this, I could be inside of the warden's daughter. He then went to England and told them he was a Boer defector, Ah. Uh, joined the British Army, sure. got sent back to f- Africa to fight against the Boer, that's and a- then joined the Boer. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> Getting flown out on their dime. (laughs) (laughs) He then saw the brutal devastation of the British. They were implementing a scorched earth policy. He went home only to discover his home was gone. An employee told him his uncle had been hung from a tree and stabbed repeatedly. His sister had been raped and killed and his uh, mother raped and taken away. Fritz assumed his mother was at a nearby concentration camp and he headed for it. He put on his British uniform. It's a tough update. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now we find out why he's got... Yeah, listen. You know, he, might not, he might not like the British for the rest of the story. <laughs> yeah, I get why. Uh, he, is, he, uh, he put on his British uniform. He entered the concentration camp and found his mother holding a seventh-month-old baby. Oh, shit. They both were starving and dying of syphilis. Oh, my God. This is a good ending. Ugh. This is like a Charlotte's Web type story that should be read to kids. Yeah, I would love to see what that spider would write in the web about this shit. He told his mom he would kill 100 British soldiers for every drop of blood in her body. That's a lot of British soldiers. Can he do that math? I don't know, but he made a promise. Tough math. You make a promise to your mommy. So I'm going to need to drain you. (laughs) My next point is that I have to drain you fully. I got to get this right. You know, it's actually uh, what they're doing to George Washington about now. As he rode away from the concentration camp, he passed two British soldiers who he saluted. All right. Then he shot them in the back after they had passed. Not all right. He dismounted and kicked them both in the face. (laughs) The order is normally different on that. But why not? Why not, right? Why not? Uh, Late in the war, the Black Panther was caught again and shipped to Bermuda with his hands and feet bound the entire way. He escaped within days and made his way to a port town called Hamilton. There he became a pimp. All righty. Hello. What is this guy? It's really, 
He's logging the miles. He's doing it. He's taking it all off. <laughs> He's getting a lot of jobs. Well, what can I do here? What's here? Oh, vaginas. Well, I'll just sell women. All righty. Uh, he had a prostitute named Vera. He got her to use her time with clients to learn about the comings and goings of ships. You can say and goings quicker in that sentence sometimes. Goings. He needs to learn it from her about the comings. After and le- goings. After learning a private... Uh, yacht was going to leave for Baltimore, Fritz snuck onto the ship and hid in a hold. When the owner found him, he came to like Fritz and invited him on the journey. I mean, that's pretty... You gotta be pretty fucking charming to be a stowaway who gets brought on as a guest. Everyone's like, you're funny! You know what? I kinda like you. I'm the panther! (laughs) All right, uh, that talk could stop a little bit. I fucked a jealous daughter! All right, here, just have a beer. Relax a little bit. You've been in that hole for a while. You got any British on here? (laughs) No. Uh, so, uh, he landed on American soil in July, uh, July 4th, 1902. Yeah. He made his way to New York and got a job selling papers. Then he became a reporter. And seven years later, he ended up meeting with President Teddy Roosevelt, just as Fred had. Roosevelt was planning a big game hunting trip to it Africa. Like it's pretty easy to get into Roosevelt's White House. It's like there's nine people. In if the you country. have like, if you could say one interesting thing, he's like, "Come over for lunch." You just walk up and you go, "Hey, I like lions," and he's like, like "Hold on, get him in here. Get your hands off of that man. Get in here, son. Tell so you like the, lions, do you? Know, tell me about the lions." <laughs> So uh, Teddy's going to Africa. He's like he's, a five-year-old, and he's looking for men who had hunted in Africa to, you know, tell him about Africa. Right. Of course, that's Fritz. Yes. Roosevelt went on his hunting trip, and it was a big story in the U.S. papers, and it was covered extensively. And Fritz took advantage of this, writing syndi- syndicated columns called "Hunting Ahead of Roosevelt." He then put his stories together. So he was basically telling stories about how he had hunted there before. And right. then that's what Roosevelt was going to do. Right. Then he put his stories together into a show and took it on tour. I mean, what is, how is he like doing, is he just trying to do everything? Like this is that time when there's just shitty entertainment. Yeah. And so now he goes up and reads a story while he has a picture in the background yeah. and blah, blah, and it's just yeah. terrible. Yeah. People were like, and you life was horrible shit? and people were like, let television be invented. It's like we're there. Um, so he just happened to be in Washington doing the show when Broussard was holding the committee hearing. Wow, that's lucky. So the Black Panther knew this was an opportunity to get people to go to his show. Okay. And so he told the committee some stories. He said it was easy to, dom- to domesticate a hippo. Okay. <laughs> the, like... Ba- like- I mean, like, you can have get like my a, slippers like domesticated? Like, maybe you could have it in your backyard, that kind of thing. I think I have seen a story of someone who has, like, a domesticated hippo. Well, maybe the tiny one. But ones. there's one. It's on TV. Ba- uh, he said, baby hippos can be fed from a bottle like a baby. Aww. And you can walk them around on leashes. Sure, of course. It's real easy to get a hippo to understand I leash mean- life. How great would the world be if we had just had people had taken to this and made hippos? I would look. People just walking down the street with a hippo. Look, I am a just, big... uh, just squirting it with a bottle. Yeah, oh, in the drought, people are like the hippos have got to go. You know what? We can't keep the hippos anymore. Sorry, hippos. Water's for the men. You're so selfish with your fucking hippos in your yard. Oh, you're always with the hungry, hungry, hungry. <laughs> I get it. My joke. Uh, it is absolutely not dangerous, he said. He also said the meat was delicious and satisfying. Splendid food. Splendid food. He said the Boers had fought well during the wars because they were eating hippos. Oh, God. 
He also said they should get antelope, giraffes, and elephants. All were good eating. He's just going for it. His testimony was complete bullshit, and everyone bought it. Uh, and and how is this driving people to his show? Just because he can get his stories out? Well, if he's like, tell- it just gets them? his name. It's just great sure. press. Sure. Like every every single one is like oh, the Black Panthers testifying. Oh, by the way, he's doing a show downtown. Sure, it's a little like when Charlie Sheen went ape shit and then just took a show on the road. That's exactly what it is. He just created so much buzz he had to do it. So the press went nuts for the idea of hippo meat. The Chicago Tribune wrote an article about the hearing and printed it just above an article about a famous steakhouse raising their prices because of dwindling meat supplies. Oh God! <laughs> Almost all of the papers used quotes of Fritz. The Washington Post wrote that it was only a matter of time before hippo shipments to the U.S. began. Hippo shipments! Since we've learned to eat crabs... Just bringing 500 hippos to America and being like, that dude said it'd be cool! You know what you could do is you could just uh, get like 50 of them, tie them together, and then uh, tug them behind a ship. Yeah. Because they can just hang in the water. They can swim too. Just Maybe just get some guys on their backs. Um... So, uh, since we've learned to eat crabs and oysters, the post reason, we could also eat that plump and pulchri- oh. uh, beast, which had a, <laughs> we could also eat that plump, uh, and large beast, which has a smile like an old fashioned fireplace. So they're, they're basically, <laughs> they think they're importing cartoon hippos. You can't say, you can't describe something as having a smile like an old-fashioned no, fireplace when you're talking people into eating an it. An animal doesn't like. You also an animal doesn't smile. A hippo doesn't smile. Well, they look like they have a smile. A hippo? Have it's seen, not a smile. Have you seen the Madagascar movies? But Dave, again, you're talking about cartoon <laughs> hippos. They're different. The New York Times said the idea, also a lot of times if there's more than two of them, they'll break out into a huge chorus. They sing. They sing. Um, the Times said the idea was practical and timely. The word was that hippo tasted good. The Times called the meat Lake Cow Bacon. I mean, that's maybe the dumbest thing I've ever heard. (laughs) It's just on a number, like, on so many levels. Like, they're not... Like, what do you... (laughs) Lake Cow Bacon. An agricultural department official stated that free-range hippos in Florida, Mississippi... Free-range... And Louisiana could produce one million tons of meat a year. Oh, I mean, we're just, we need to stop fucking caring about eating so much. It's unbelievable. People were excited by the idea. Broussard got letters from people who volunteered to go to Africa and bring the hippos back. That's like, that's like Donald Trump. I got this. You want hippos? I'll get your goddamn hippos. I can get you 95 hippos by Thursday. (laughs) Talking ones with a smile. I can also get you a smoking hippo. Uh, we don't need a smoking hippo. I'm just letting you know that as far as the hippo community goes, I have many connections. Unfortunately, Broussard would have to wait until the next congressional session to get the bill going. In the meantime, he invited the old enemies, Fred and Fritz, down to Louisiana to discuss plans for hippo importing. No, you mean Lake Cow Bacon. <laughs> Though the two men had tried to kill each other for years, it turns out they had a great respect for each other. They finally got to know each other. Oh, God. Fred thought the hippo project would cleanse Fritz of his past wrongs and set him on the right path. He wrote, I set out to win over the genuine Americanism, one of the most remarkable men I had ever met. Together, the three men began planning the New Food Supply Society. (laughs) It's just, I mean... uh, And and the NFSS. Yeah, the NFSS. And we all know how that worked. They sent letters back and forth discussing how to go about it. But Fritz was the man doing most of the work. 
After the hearing, he was sent to Louisiana on a fact-finding mission. Fritz hoped this hippo venture would turn into a full-time job. But more than anything, he wanted credit for the idea of hippo meat. But time was going by and nothing was happening. Fritz was getting frustrated. Uh-oh. In October... Frustrated. New York World came out with an article giving credit of the hippo idea importation to a man named Frederick Holder. Holder was a fisherman. Fritz was pissed. He sent copies of the article to Fred and Broussard and demanded they send a correction to the press. Fritz was now completely losing it. Above all, he wanted credit. Everything else was secondary. I'm the fucking hippo guy. I'm hippo Fritz. That's why they call me hippo Fritz. Fritz, 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 buddy. Nobody, nobody's been calling you that, okay? Yeah, yeah, that's what they call me, hippo Fritz. Okay, all right, but I'm just... Hey, what's my name, guy over there? Uh, hey, Fritz. It's hippo Fritz. Well, that's what I'm saying, okay? It also, it sounds a lot like hippo What's Fritz. on my t-shirt? Well, you hand wrote hippo Fritz on your shirt, but I'm just, this is like an intervention moment. Because it's my nickname. Because this is my idea. All right. Maybe just... Maybe just sleep a little. Maybe just take a nap. Lay down. I can't sleep. Oh, boy. Not until the hippos are here. Um, all right, bro. No sleep till hippo. Oh, God. That's what it says on the back. <laughs> hippo Fritz, and then he turns around and points both thumbs to it. No sleep till hippo. Things seem to be cooling off on the hippo front, but Fritz wasn't going to let it go. In 1911, he began to consider starting his own hippo importing business. Oh, my God. He organized banquets in New York and Washington, hoping to stir up investment. There he served... Springbok soup. I've had Springbok. It's not bad. And <laughs> well, no, hippo croquettes. I was, in, unless I was getting... in South Africa. They had they had Springbok. Well, I've good. always loved a hippo croquette. He looked into the idea of bringing elephants to South America and selling them. I mean, now it's like desperate. Yeah, it's like he was like, just like, I'm going to send animals all over the fucking world. He was like, I want to be the biggest cocaine dealer in America. <laughs> and now he's like, I want to just maybe sell a bag of Mali in Spain. Uh, he also almost pulled off an insane publicity stunt for a matchstick company. I mean... He was going to bring llamas from Peru and drive them as a herd from New York to Ohio. <laughs> Wait. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm what? sorry. Wait. What? Tell me... He tell was me. going to... A matchstick company wanted a publicity uh, Okay, campaign. let me stop you there. Yep. How does this... How does this help a match? Is this just sort of like... Light them up with llamas, I guess. Like branded entertainment? They're just like, I, we're just sponsoring the crazy shit. Yeah, it's just it's just like, well, this is going to get attention, and then people will know about it. So he's going to drive it straight to the matchstick plant. Okay, so he's taking the llamas from Peru. Peru, bringing them to New York City. <laughs> to New York. Where, where they stay a couple days in a hotel to acclimate. There is... There is and then... He, like, how many would actually make this journey? I can't. They didn't say. Few. A, That's a, I, I would it's assume very far. Well, it's if it's a herd, far. if it's a herd, it's a lot of llamas. And it's but it's still it's very far. Right, but it's Fritz. It's very far. <sighs> it didn't come to be. Why? I don't know. What part? Then word came that Teddy Roosevelt was planning another hunting trip. This uh, time, shocker. in the Amazon. Oh God! Fritz saw another opportunity and sought investors to help him produce a movie. The plan was to go to Amazon and film what Roosevelt would see when he got there. He would then show the film on stage and narrate it. He ended up getting funding from a film company and the Goodyear Tire Company. Good. 
the Goodyear Tire Company was paying him to look for rubber <laughs> while he was what? in the Amazon. Did they know that they were getting swindled by him? I don't know. It's just like, while you're there, will you promise to look for rubber? Yeah, I'll look for rubber. Can I have some money? Yeah, I'll give you money. But you swear to God, you'll, there is there rubber there? Okay, so I found some rubbers. You did? Where? Uh, well, they were used. But, no, uh, no, no, no. There's rubbers all in the slums. There's a lot of rubbers. Fritz, I speak on behalf of Goodyear. Here's the bag. We hate your guts. And <laughs> get the bag and take it with you. And by the way, what the fuck does the back of your shirt mean? No sleep till hippo? That's right. No sleep till hippo. We're going to get out. hippos Get here. out. Get the fuck out. Now. But right after he left for the Amazon, World War I broke up, broke out. Fritz was not happy that the U.S. was staying on the sidelines. He wanted the U.S. to join with Germany and fight against England. He could have his own Fox News show. <laughs> it's the Fritz Hour with Fritz. It's supposed to be called the Fritz Hippo Hour. Cut, cut. Fritz, I, you've been warned. You will not say hippo on the air anymore. You got it. Action. Hip out all my friends! Cut! Cut! <laughs> he still had a seething hatred for the British after the Boer Wars, because they killed his family and whatnot. Yeah. In Brazil, Fritz went to the German consulate and offered to be a spy and saboteur. From that day on... Wasn't he, he just making a movie? Well, now it's off because World War One started. He's insane. From that day on, he lived a life of aliases. He was known as Frederick Baron, Colonel Bezin, F. Krabs... Colonel Marquis de Kentz, Fred Beckens, J.K. Farn, Behold Zombo, Von Gotard, Vam Dam, Fritters, Worthy, and Jim. Dave, Dave, yes, I gotta have it one more time because because here's what just happened. I was like. I, in my head, I was like, well, you're not going to get one funnier than F. Krabs. And I thought at the end of that run, I just mentioned F. Krabs. But then you hit like two or three at the end that are just record breakers. Frederick Barron. Fritters. I'm excited to hear you say Fritters again. Colin Bezin. Colin. F. Krabs. F. Fuck Krabs. Colonel Marquis Dickens. Fred Beckens. Jake Q. Farn. Jake Q. Farn. Behold Zombo. Wait. Okay. <laughs> that sounds like what you would hear in like a freak show. Hey, what's Behold your... Zombo? Hey, what's your name again? Behold Zombo! Okay, ducky. Von Gutard. Von Gutard. Really? Yeah, it's it, a little close. It's close. Vam Dam. <laughs> that one was clearly on the spur of the moment. What's yeah. your name? Uh, Vam Dam. Vam Dam. Fritters. Just like just fritters. Did he just like wear like a beanie and no shirt a, and I just a tie and walk around town? People are like, oh, don't mind him. He's just fritters. He had to have been a butler. Yeah, he definitely had a unicycle. <laughs> worthy. What? <laughs> just worthy. And Jim. <laughs> I gotta say, I'm I'm excited to do some stuff with fritters in the future. He spent time on the docks in South America in disguise. Wearing, Who did fritters? Or Jim. <laughs> Or F. Krabs. <laughs> F. Krabs. Wearing thick glasses and hunched over. His name was Frederick Fredericks. What? <laughs> wow. So. He's not even trying. Yeah, that just seems like a typo. He's like an SCTV character. Hello, point. I'm Frederick Frederick. He would hang out in bars and offer English sailors money 
to bring rare orchid bulbs back to England for his friends. But these weren't bulbs. The packages were explosives. Fritz claims to have sunk 22 ships and started 100 dock fires. Wow. But according to Fred, what Fritz was really up to was disrupting shipments of manganese. I think he was up to building an army of the greatest names of all time. <laughs> so Fred knew about manganese. Fred had also been pushing the hippo meat idea after the congressional hearing. In March 1911, he went to Washington and met with Broussard again. Broussard would reintroduce the bill in the spring. But in the meantime, Fred was to go on an exploratory trip to Africa to scout other species that would be good for importation and eating. <laughs> but they, they, it's like they, nobody said yes to any of their shit yet. Well, the scouting time is over. It's time to shoot. The American public was becoming less enthusiastic about the idea of bringing hippos to America and putting Thank them God. in rivers. The hippo meat idea was waning. During this time, Fred had also started working for companies who had copper mines in Mexico. He never made it to Africa because the Mexican Revolution broke out and he went down to Mexico to watch over the company's investments. And at one point, he was commanding a group of 500 armed men. He still hadn't given up on the idea of hippos, though. He continued to work on the plan. He found a German circus master who agreed to ship the hippos. At the same time, Broussard kept pushing the bill from one congressional session to the next until it was 1918, and then Broussard died. (laughs) Eventually, the Department of Agriculture weighed in and said importing hippos was a terrible idea. Hmm, That's interesting. Instead, the department recommended turning useless marshes in Louisiana into grassy pastures for cows. Yeah, because smart. people like to eat cows. And cows and are they here. Don't want to eat hippos. And cows are here. Honey, uh, I have been barbecuing this hippo for nine days and it's still not ready. Um, Turn it over! A lot of this meat's going bad. It's very chewy. It's black on the outside. And it does. Still... I'll tell you what it doesn't taste like is lake cow bacon. It does not taste like lake cow bacon at all. Okay? It tastes like toilet chicken. So this is how America overcame the meat question. They developed ways to raise more animals in more places. When World War I broke out, Fritz also wanted the U.S. to get into the action. I'm sorry. Fred also wanted the U.S. to get into the action, okay. just like Fritz did. Sure. But he wanted the U.S. to fight against Germany. Interesting. He became part of the preparedness movement. They believed the U.S. entry into the war was inevitable and were putting pressure on President Wilson to enter the war. In 1916, Fred was the Grand Marshal of a preparedness parade in San Francisco when a suitcase bomb went off. Ten people were killed. Jesus. Teddy Roosevelt was putting together a group of men to go into battle on his own if Wilson did not enter the war. Wow, what? I'm going to read that again. Teddy Roosevelt was putting together a group of men to go into battle on his own if Wilson didn't enter the war. What a dick. Greatest president ever. Out of his fucking mind. Just wanting to kill stuff everywhere. Didn't matter where. If you're not going to war, Teddy's going to war. I started my own army. Teddy. Teddy, you're not president anymore. Doesn't matter. You don't need to you don't need to be president to make an army, bully. Let's go, boys! Mount your hippos! <laughs> With just spears on the backs of hippos. Like monkeys on dogs. Just ready to go. They just strap him on there. Alright, your legs are taped, you're secure. I guess we're going into the water. (laughs) Fred joined Teddy's group. We're really going low. (laughs) Fred joined Teddy's group. He was 55 years old, uh, and he always wanted to see battle. Sure. But the chance to actually fight 
instead of being a scout, had never come, and now he thought it could happen. Sure. It's exciting. But unfortunately, his services were needed elsewhere. Manganese was in short supply, partially due to Fritz down there blowing up ships. <laughs> Jesus. Manganese is a mineral that is used to make steel. The war's, war caused shipments to be cut off from the usual suppliers, so new sources were needed. The U.S. looked to South America, but also hoped to find its supply in the U.S., Fred got a few prospectors together he knew from his 20s, and they went out into the desert to look for manganese. The scout is back, baby. There's a simple solution on how to deal with that. Hmm? Import hippos. I totally agree. Yeah, it'll solve it. No problem. It was a successful operation. They found manganese in several different locations. Okay. Now, years later, Fred and Fritz were once again on the opposite sides of a war, thwarting each other. In February 1916, Fritz packed the film from his film project that he had bailed on into a sunken into a trunk and put it aboard the U, the SS Tennyson. Whatever was in that box exploded as the ship was in the ocean. Three sailors died. A co-conspirator was caught, and he quickly gave up Fritz. Fritz but, was well, now well, wanted. And why is he doing? But he's just doing that because he is so upset about he, us. He, no, he hates the British. Oh, okay. So the British are fighting the Germans. So he's, so he's that's joined by up with proxy. The he's Germans. He's doing his own. Yeah, he's a boar. He's fighting, fighting his own war, another boar war. Fritz was now wanted for murder by the British in 1917. Fritz found his way to Washington D.C., but of course they're looking for Fritz when the guy's name is Fritters. <laughs> you ain't gonna find Fritters. You talking about Fritters crab cakes? You t- <laughs> Fritters crab cakes? The guy rides the unicycle and plays the harmonica. Fritters crab cakes? Where, where's a hippo head? <laughs> where's a hippo head? Rides a unicycle, sells crab cakes? Just yells no stop till hippo? That guy? <laughs> um, Serious drug problem? So in 1917, Fritz went back to Washington, D.C. Instead of using one of his many aliases, he used his own name. That was a really dumb movie. He had 900 <laughs> names. Uh, he was looking for work and reached out to... Frederick to, Frederick would have been he, better. <laughs> He was looking for work and reached out to, to Broussard, who had no idea what Fritz had been up to. Broussard tried to get him a low-level clerk job, but it didn't pan out. With no luck in Washington, he headed to New York and crashed at a friend's house. He then tried to get his let's eat African animals thing going again. He wanted to go on a speaking tour, but no one cared. Yeah, stop. There was a war on, and people just wanted to hear about war heroes. So Fritz became Captain Claude Stoughton. An impressive soldier who had perhaps seen more of the war than any man at present before the public. This poor fake guy had been stabbed three times during his fake fighting, gassed four times, and struck once with a hook. That's quite a fake resume. The fake son of a bitch show was a hit. He was a hit on the speech circuit. He started getting invited to important parties. He would show up in uniform and give speeches asking people to donate to the Red Cross and buy Liberty Bonds. The dude who had been a terrorist just a couple years before trying to stop Allied forces was now raising money for the Allied forces. Yes, uh, as a war hero. In the, fr- in the end, all Fritz cared about was Fritz being famous. <laughs> on December 8th, 1917, Fritz was arrested for insurance fraud in New York City. He had filed a claim for the film that was lost on the Tennyson. Oh, boy. The film that That's he had balls. That's filled fucking, with explosives and blown a ship up. That's pretty ballsy. That's like the guy, you know, when the Oklahoma City guy blew up blew up the who, the, McVeigh? the building. Yeah. No, the other guy. Oh, right. The, yeah, the other dude. Oh, no, no. The guy who, the guy who 
the first guy who tried to blow up the World Trade Center when it didn't go down. So the first guy tried to blow up the World Trade Center. They blew it up, and then he went back and <laughs> he went back and said the van he had rented <laughs> was in an accident in the World Trade Center and tried to get the money back. But it was the van he had used to blow up the World Trade Center. Jesus, dude. <laughs> How do you get that petty over terrorist <laughs> so shit? Stupid. You're like, oh, so I need I, that deposit. I gotta get my, I gotta get that eighty bucks. Back. I'm gonna be honest, dude. I had a full tank, just so you guys know. <laughs> so like, none of that bullshit. You know what I mean? I know you guys charge an extreme amount. Um, so he filed this claim. He apparently tried another uh, insurance scheme and well as well. He had agreed to make movies for an Argentine board of education. They paid um, him twenty four thousand dollars. For film, which he bought, and then he put it in a Brooklyn warehouse, and then he blew up the warehouse. What? So, what is with the film part of this plan of? His? I just think he he thinks film is very expensive, it's just like his calling card, and so he knows he can get money for film. But then every time he gets, it's but he would still need to make the fucking movie. Exactly. Even... Now the British wanted him for murder, so Fritz uh, started acting crazy. Oh, he started to act crazy. Um. So he's arrested. The judge had a lunacy commission assess him to see if he was really nuts. That's what it was called, lunacy commission. That's going to be a great... I would love to just have footage of some of the, the lunacy, lunacy council. It's my favorite Donald Duck cartoon. The lunacy council. The lunacy commission. <laughs> the lunacy commission. The lunacy commission sent him to a mental hospital. We're here to find out if you're ape shit. <laughs> so we're going to ask you some questions and show you some things and see how crazy your okay, shit is. Okay, here's the first question. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> uh, so he sent him to a mental hospital. They just hospital. pour a glass of milk and put it before him and then pour it down their pants. And they're like, how does that make you feel at home? Very good. Hmm. I think it might be lunatic. Uh, right. So he sent to a mental hospital. Uh, he was there with a man who constantly... Not a sentimental hospital. He was sent to a mental hospital. Correct. Right. Okay. He was there with a man who was, co- who was constantly whistling because he said he was a train. <laughs> oh, Jesus and another guy who thought he was Napoleon's tomb. Wow, that is those, those are some roomies. That is That's when you're not like, Napoleon, the tomb. So wait, you're Napoleon? I'm not an idiot. I know I'm not Napoleon. I'm where he's buried. Oh, I'm sorry. That's 1245. That's mine. I got to get on that. That's my train. I got to get out of here. You got room for a tomb on there? <laughs> Where are we going? No, stop, Del Hippo! I'm getting on too! I'm quitting the hospital. Fritz's wife showed up and divorced him. She wow. said it was obvious he had gone German. You've gone German. Fritz then collapsed in court, saying he was paralyzed from the waist down. I can't do it! I can't! I just... I lost the use of my legs just now. Strangely right in court. Who I knew? can't walk anymore. When doctors jabbed him with pins, he did not react. Let me know when you guys are starting. (laughs) Oh, you have? Well, I can't feel it. My story checks out. He was sent to Bellevue Hospital, where he slowly got skinnier and skinnier. He would just sit all day and watch the birds from a window. Then one day... Should be hippos. He escaped. Okay. Turns out he had gotten his hands on a hacksaw... And he wasn't watching birds at the window, but he was sawing the bars. Hmm, that's different. He had faked being paralyzed for seven months, but now the Black Panther was on the loose. (laughs) Who bought the leg shit? I don't know. He took off to Mexico and Europe, but then, of course, he made his way back to New York, where he was famous because he can be famous there. No, Fritters, no. 
He appeared for a short time as a vaudeville critic named Major Fred Craven, but then vanished again. The FBI continued to search for him, mainly in Manhattan. But they were also like, and maybe we don't want to catch this guy. <laughs> he directs some great shows when he's not blowing up ships. Finally, he was arrested again. Fritz was charged with homicide and escape, but the statute of limitations had expired on the war crimes charge, so Britain passed on extradition. Wow. The judge then dropped the escape charge, and he was free again. What? This yeah. dude is... <laughs> In the spring of 1934, Fritz became an intelligence officer for the Order of 76, an American pro-Nazi organization. Oh, gosh. The FBI watched him closely. Fritz knew he was being watched, and at one point stopped an FBI agent tailing him and said, stop following me. <laughs> on June 28th, 1941... detective work. On June uh, 28th, 1941, the FBI set up a sting with a double agent. The FBI was in one room while the double agent was in another. Fritz entered and immediately began searching the room, asking, where are the mics? Where are the mics? When he thought he was safe, he pulled up his pants leg and pulled out files. There was a sketch and photo of the M1 Garand semi-automatic rifle, a drawing of a new light tank design, a photo of a U.S. Navy mosquito boat, a photo of a grenade launcher, and reports on U.S. tanks he had observed at bases around the country. He was arrested. Then 33 spies in Fritz's group were arrested. He was charged with sending information to the Third Reich and plotting to start fires in American factories. Jesus. The evidence was damning. The Black Panther had stamped each letter no. with a black attacking cat. Oh, God. <laughs> you know what I got to get on these secret espionage spend, files? Uh, my own stamp. You like my own so thing. much time coming up with fake names. I also, you know what? I asked for the stamp of the cat, but underneath... I wanted uh, front Fritz, and up top, I wanted No Stop Till Hippo. <laughs> but uh, that was a lot of money, so... <laughs> I just got the cat. I just got the cat for now. The case ended up being the largest espionage case in U.S. history. Fritz Dukens was sentenced to 20 years in Leavenworth Prison. Uh, he did not. Fred did not enjoy hearing about the end of his old nemesis. Okay. His doom fills me with sadness, he said. Fred Burnham remained in California and was wealthy at this point. He and his son had struck oil on some land they owned. Fred was also a lifelong member of the National Council of Boy Scouts of America. The Boy Scouts Scout. Scouts are actually modeled after Fred. Really? The neckerchiefs... Aside from the molestation scandals. Right. Uh, he did not do that, allegedly. Right. The handkerchiefs they wore are based on the one Fred always wore in the desert to keep his neck from being sunburned. Uh-huh. At Fred's request, the Boy Scouts created merit badges so they would be able to Jesus. master many skills. <laughs> Deer cake, the lowest selling badge. <laughs> Did you get the hippo badge? Yeah, uh, No, no, Fred, please. Please. It's a, it's a picture of a hippo. Yeah, but we're not. In they're front not here, yeah. of an American school right, eating grass. Right. Yep. No, I'm not getting that one. It's it, it's hard to get. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there's no hippos here. Because that um, get them here. That's what I'm. That's what I've been talking about. Alrighty, this uh, took a turn. Fred still kept a picture of Fritz on his wall, framed in his military uniform. In his desk, he still had a letter from the Back Panther. Quote to my friendly enemy, the second greatest scout in the world. Sorry, the greatest scout in the world. Wow. Whose eyes were the vision of empire. I crave the honor of killing him, but feeling that, I extend my heartiest admiration. Wow. What? That's a great rivalry. Fred died 
on September 1st, 1947 in Santa Barbara, California. He was 86 years old. Fred Dukens was released in 1954 due to failing health after serving 14 years in prison. He died May 1956 in a state hospital in New York City. And we've all been eating hippos ever since. Jesus Christ. That's why Wendy's has the hippo burger. Oh, God. What we would be doing at fast food places right now? Uh, can I get hippo? a... I just get an ear. Can I get some curly hips? <laughs> um, I'll also take... Uh, Hip the, burger? Can I get a hippo biscuit? And then um, uh, I'll take some regular fries and uh, a hippo pie. Yeah, a shake. Thank you. Vanilla. And uh, oh, also uh, some giraffe sticks. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> what we would have done to that hippo? Uh, it's almost. Uh, that's actually the most excited I've been about this hippo prospect. Is what we would do if with it, it was here now? Uh, what would it be? So hippo crisps. Hippo crisps. Like it would just be. Hippo, the you grossest. stop at the grocery store, get some hippo jerky. Oh God! Deep Step fried, into a slim hip. Deep <laughs> slim hip. <laughs> deep fried hip flakes. <laughs> you want some hip chips? Oh man, the song "No Stop Till Hippo" was a huge hit. <laughs> no stop till hippo. No stop till hippo. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Jesus. Well, there you go. <laughs> Just how is how how is there still so much insane shit? I don't know. It, we're a fucking insane country. Are we ever gonna run out? I don't think so. Do you I, really not? I have a massive, massive <laughs> list. It's insane how long my list is. And it's not like this in Australia at all. Australia is so much more normal. Yeah, well, we... I mean, there's listen. some stories, but Jesus Christ, there's nothing... Well, look at us America. now. Look at what our debates are. They're dynamite. Dynamite. And if we ever run out, then we'll just move over to Scotland. Yeah. <laughs> Where they'll have hippo. Um, all righty. So, uh, by the way, if you are in Edinburgh, there's some really funny comedians there. Uh, I highly recommend Ben Russell's show, The Tokyo Hotel. Uh, go see Nick Cody. Go see Ronnie Chang. Those guys are really, really, really fucking funny. I can't yeah. recommend them enough. Um, like I said, I'll be uh, headlining here at the Improv uh, the 15th. Gareth will be on the show. Dwayne Perkins, Morgan Murphy, and others. Uh, and then go to DaveAnthonyComedy.com. Uh, there you'll find all the links to buy tickets to the shows in Australia. You should hurry up. They're selling pretty good. Get on that shit. Come Let's on, go. Adelaide girl. What you doing? Adelaide, it could be so nice. Oh, hey there, everybody. It's Gareth, you know, from this uh, this podcast. Uh, listen, I've got some stand-up shows. I'm inviting the Garmy, the Gareth Army. To join me for, I will be in Fort Collins, Colorado, August 18th and August 19th. I will be in Minneapolis, Minnesota, August 24th through August 26th at Acme. I will be going to the UK in September. Please join me. I will be in Glasgow, September 13th, London, September 15th, Dublin, September 17th, and September 19th, Manchester, Birmingham, September 20th. Bristol, September 22nd, and Cardiff, September 24th. And then in November, I'll be in Australia. November 10th, almost sold out, I think. I'll be in Melbourne, Australia. Then I will be in Northbridge, Australia on November 15th. Adelaide, November 16th. Canberra, November 17th. Brisbane, November 18th. And then I will be in uh, Sydney on November 24th. Go to GarethReynolds.com for tickets. Garmy, 
let's get at it after it. Let's see you there. Hey there, people listening to The Dollop. Uh, this is Gareth. Yes, the same guy. I Listen, I have a new podcast called We're Here to Help that I'm doing with my friend Jake Johnson. It's basically a call and advice show where we don't say that we're professionals because we aren't, but we try to help people with problems that are important to them. You can listen to it wherever you listen to podcasts, and it is out right now. So go listen to We're Here to Help with Jake and Gareth. We're here to help with Gareth and Jake. I don't remember how we did it, but either way, fun. Half Hour comes out Tuesday, August 22nd, and episodes will be out every Tuesday and Friday. We're here to help 